Thanks, Chris. Good morning. How you guys doing? Doing all right? Good? A little tired out there? It's been a crazy busy week for a lot of us, and uh, kind of one of those emotionally draining weeks as well. But uh, I'm glad you're here. Glad you made it today. We're going to be in Psalm 103 to start, and then 1 Peter chapter 4, if you want to turn there. Psalms chapter 103, 103, and then 1 Peter chapter 4. We are continuing in our series titled Come and See, and uh, the, the, uh, the premise behind that is that we are to invite people in our lives, that God places in our lives, to come and to see the transformation and the change that Jesus Christ has made in us, that, that there should be an invitation to that, right, that we should allow people to see that Jesus has changed everything for us. And, and we tend to, when that happens, we tend to have this time where we, we kind, of, kind of be quieter about our faith, or we, we, we kind of, we don't want to... We don't want to be offensive to people. We don't want to, um, to, to push, be pushy to people. So we're just quiet. And, and I, I want to let you know, like, people see that too. They see someone who says they're transformed by Jesus, but it's quiet about it. Um, it should be seen. It should be noticed that we love Jesus, that he's changed us and saved us and transformed us. And, uh, and we should be ready and willing to talk about that and, and to share in that uh, all the time. So the first week we talked about this transformation. We're coming, coming to see the transformation that Christ has made in us. Uh, and last week we talked about kind of, kind of how that works, is that you and I, we exhibit faith in the sovereignty of God. We say, God, we trust you. We trust what you're going to do. We trust that, that you are sovereign over people's hearts and lives. You're sovereign over my heart and life. And that, that I get to be then free from the burden of changing someone's heart. That I don't have to save you and you don't have to save me. That, that, and in fact, we can't do anything like that. We can't save. Amen. Only God can save. So we don't have that responsibility, and that, or that weight rather, of, of man, I, if I don't say something, they're, they're, they're doomed. No, it's not on you. You're, now you're playing the role of God, right? And God says, let me be God. But what he invites us to do, and we talked about this last week, he invites you and I in his sovereignty, as he works in and through all of his creation on his own, he invites us to come alongside of him and participate with what he is doing. And, that, and I shared that illustration last week where my dad was in the wood shop and, and he would invite me to come in and participate with him and, and sand on some wood or maybe finish nail a couple spots that he already started. But what I told you, though, is this. Although I felt the joy and blessing of participating in it and seeing the, the final product and saying, wow, I had a hand in that, the reality was my dad, what? Didn't need me one bit to finish that project. But I had joy and excitement and, 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 and full, I had a fullness of joy because I was able to participate with him. So we are able to participate with the Father in what he's doing. And if you choose to not participate with the Father in what he's doing, you miss out. You miss out and I miss out. So we have to trust and have faith in the sovereignty of God. And I went on to say that, that God doesn't get what? He doesn't get the address wrong. That as we go about our daily lives, wherever we are, Whatever we're doing, however late we are or early we are, usually late, right? However late we end up, God knows that. And God allows for that. And God then still gives us opportunities right in front of us to interact with people and to love people. So today we're, we're moving into our, our third sermon in the series, Come and See. And we're talking about how else do we do this? Well, we, we become compassionate. As God's people, we become compassionate. And, and we're going to take a look at how we do that today. Okay, but I want to start with the scripture in Psalm 103, and, uh, and we'll pray before we go. Let's go. Father, thank you so much for 
your love and your grace. Thank you that you've, you've drawn us to you and, and given us your word, God, to, to continue to renew our minds and hearts and transform us. God, we ask right now that you would open our minds and our hearts to be receptive to whatever you have to say to us today. That you would challenge us by your spirit, that you would change us by your spirit, you would conform us into the image of the Son, Jesus Christ. That when people look at our lives, when we invite them to come and see, that they would see Jesus and they would see how he's changed us. We don't want to point anybody to us, Father. Help us to decrease and for you to increase in us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So it is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you fathers out there. It, uh, you know, it's certainly Father's Day every day. Uh, I was talking to someone earlier and I said, maybe, maybe every other day is Father's Day and this should be Father's Day off, right? Because every other day is Father's Day. So um, I, I'm, I'm in for a nap this afternoon. I don't know if you are or not, but um, that might be a great way my, my family could serve me. That'd be nice. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I wouldn't plan on it. No, I wouldn't plan on it either. And uh, I love my family. It's wonderful. It's wonderful being a dad. It's wonderful being a dad, but, but, but I, I have to say as a dad um, as a, and, and as a man in the American culture, it, it is very difficult at times to, to push myself into a humble position before God and then a gentle and loving and compassionate position with my family. And I say that because it, it's, it's real easy and natural for, for the wives or the women to do the nurturing because that's how God wired them up as well, right? And it's not that it's easier, right, women? It's not that it's easier, it's just more natural for you. And then, because it's more natural, guys, guys, we have a tendency to kind of back off a little bit. Well, mom's got this. The ladies can take care of that. And we have to understand, we have to lean in. We have to really make an effort to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to show love and kindness and compassion to my family, to my sons, my daughters, right, to my wife. And maybe you don't have a family, but there's other places you can show compassion. So we start in that inner ring, right? We start the inner ring of our most immediate family, then that next ring out is our church family here. So, so gentlemen, if you don't have a family, immediate ring family, or maybe you're not a dad, you still have a family, amen? And we are a family of God, and that you are to look for ways to lean in there. The women shouldn't do all the nurturing. The men should be able to say, listen, I'm, I'm going to love and, and, and support and encourage and show compassion and grace to those around me so they might see Jesus through that. And we're going to see a verse here in a minute about that. So it's important for us to do that. And I know for my own self, I, I, tend, to, I tend to take myself out of that a little bit. Okay, well, yeah, I'll... They got it. They got it handled. I'll, I'll just I'll go take a nap, right? But really being able to lean in and say, I want to love and nurture and, and have compassion for my children and my wife and then my, my church family. And then that next ring out is my community. See, it, it takes effort. It takes being alert and ready for those opportunities to have compassion. Because if I don't, if I don't, if I'm not deliberate about it, I don't take initiative and really think through and say, I'm going, to, I'm going to look for those opportunities. I'm going to take advantage of those opportunities. Then I miss them because I'm, so, I'm so, so much thinking about myself or what I have to accomplish that day or the next task or the next person I have to, to meet with instead of leaning in right now. So lean in to that and, and reveal that compassion. Now we're going to look at ways to do that today. But I want to start with Psalm 103 because I think it's, it's an amazing passage about God and, how, and how, how awesome he is, how amazing he is. And, and any Father's Day, we should really have the focus on our Heavenly Father, right? And, and, and how amazing he is. Dads, you're, you're amazing. It's an amazing privilege to be a father and, and, and for fathers to take that responsibility seriously. Well done. Continue to do that. Keep doing that. Keep learning from your heavenly father. But uh, let's look at how awesome he is. Psalm 103, we're beginning at verse 6 together and going through 13. It says, The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. 
He reveals his ways to Moses, or he revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and rich in what? Faithful love, right? Faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our offenses. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing how awesome God is? You see, for you and I who have trusted and had faith in Jesus Christ, we can come to him as, a, as an ultimate treasure because as far as the heavens are above the earth, that's how great his faithful love is for us. And, and, and as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our sin from us. Those burdens are gone and he now is our ultimate treasure. And we get to embrace the majesty and glory of God. And that is something that's amazing. It should be, should be the focus of everything we do. Look at verse 13 now, what it says. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. See, there's this relationship there. There's this model set, right? And really the model set is, as the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, so should a father have compassion on his children. And, and what does that lead to? What does that compassion lead to? It leads to those we have compassion on, first and foremost our children, then our wife, right, our, our church family, our community, on those we have compassion, that they would see the majesty of the Lord, the greatness of his faithful love, and that they too would come to him humbly, repentant, empty, and believe in him as their treasure, and that he would forgive them, that they would find Christ. Not me, right? Not a father who's compassionate, not a, not a guy who loves somebody, but they would, they would find Jesus through that. So dad, that's, that's our example is the heavenly father. And the way the Heavenly Father has compassion on His children, us, we ought to have compassion on our children. But it goes further than that, dads. It goes into all men are called to do that. All, all men are called to have compassion and love, love for people, not just children. And more than that, not just all men, but all women as well, right? So this passage goes beyond that, that, that all, all of us should have love and compassion for others for the same goal, ultimately, that it would reflect the love and faithfulness that God has for his children, and that they would see and know him as Savior. And he would be their treasure. Amen? So that's where we start. Now, now go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to look at a text here today about compassion I, and, and hospitality and love. Because if, if we're inviting people to come and see if we're, if we're expecting that God in His sovereignty is placing people in our lives for us to grab onto and to love and to encourage and to show compassion to. We need to look at maybe how, how that works, what that looks like. So today we're going to look at this passage in 1 Peter, uh, beginning at chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. So number one is this. If we want to figure out what does compassion look like, number one is hurry up and pray. Number one is hurry up and pray. Right? Or, or hurry up and renew, prepare your heart and life, if you want to call it that. 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 7. I'm going to read the entire text together, then we'll go back to, to the top, verse 7, okay? Verse uh, 7 through 11. It says, Now the end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and disciplined, right? Or be alert and sober minded, other translations, uh, for prayer. Above all, maintain an intense love for each other, since love covers a multitude of sins. 
Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, it should be done as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, it should be done from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To Him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. We start off in this passage, uh, what does it look like to have compassion? Well, start off by hurry up and pray, or hurry up and prepare your heart and your life. And it's, look in verse 7, it says, Now the end of things is near, therefore, so what, why are we going to hurry up and pray? Why are we going to get ready, uh, ready our hearts? Why are we going to have, have our minds alert and ready and clear? Because the end of all things is near. Now, here's what this means, and what they're talking about is this fullness and culmination of, of, of every, events that lead to, the, to Christ's second coming, to his return. So we're eagerly waiting Christ's return. Uh, does anyone here know that date or time? We do not. What we know is it is near, and that word near even is, is more, it's, it's imminent. It is ready, it is imminent, it's going to happen. But what I want us to know is people, people want to, like, I want to know when. Is it now? What's going on in Israel? What's going on here? What's, what's happening? Is it right now? It's imminent is what it is. It's imminent. It may not be right now. And we, we say, well, I want, I want to know. Is it real close? Or is it, a while, is it a while off? And here's what happens. If we knew the date and we knew the time and it was really far off, it's like, hey, about three years, two months, and 20 days, and two hours, it's, it's, it's coming. We would be like, okay, good. I got some time, right? I'm going to do my own thing for a little bit. In about two years, nine months or so, maybe three years, I'll start kind of figuring it out and start really, really getting on it then. I'll just kind of wait until then. You see, we have a complacent heart, don't we? we, we if we knew the date and it was far off, we'd be like, well, let's, we'll wait. Or it's, shoot, it's in 80 years. I'm, I'm just going to do my own thing and they can take care of it. But that's not revealing the glory of God. So, so we have one sense where it encourages complacency. The other sense is if it's tomorrow, right? Or if it's a week from today, we'd have this like panic attack and go into this frenzy and try to make sure everyone knows about the gospel and try to make sure our life was in order and everything was straightened out. We'd take care of business and we'd, we'd get it done, right? So those are the two kind of things we'd have. We'd have a panic frenzy because we know it's really near, like, really, like we know the date is next week. Or we'd have this complacent heart saying, well, it's a ways away. We got some time to, to go through things. Let's, let's pace ourselves, you know, and it's a, it's a while away. But that's, that doesn't help our heart prepare. So not knowing, what it does is it says, just, just be free. It's okay. Just be free to get your act together now and live that way. Live ready every, every day. What I would say is this, that it says the end of things is near. I'd say this, the time is now. It's time. It's time to get ready. It's time to prepare. It's time for our hearts to be focused on Jesus. It's time for our, for our minds to be set aside and renewed by His Word. It's time for our minds to be, be deliberate about our actions and what we're doing and how we're living for the glory of God. It's time. And it says, get in prayer. Be deliberate about prayer, right? It says, the time is now. Therefore, be alert, be ready, be watchful, be deliberate, be sober-minded, clear-headed, and pray, 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 pray. Why is prayer important? Why is prayer important? You can, you can answer because it's God's will, or divine God's will, he said. Seeking God's will, thank you, and it is God's will. To help us. Yeah, God help me. Yeah, we ask God. What else? What else? Why else do we pray? 
What else does prayer accomplish? To acknowledge Him. What was over here? Comforts our heart. Okay, what else? It's how we converse with God. Right, we talk with God, right? It's, it's an intimate thing. Yeah, seek His path. And one of the things, these are all things that happen in prayer. And one of the things that I, I know for me, especially in the morning when I get up and pray, it sets the attitude of my heart where it needs to be. You know, if I, if I get up and, and pray and say, God, this is your day, it's not my day. This is your schedule, it's not my schedule. This, I'm, this is your life, not my life. Do what you want today. When I go out, I tell you, he brings so many opportunities in my path to be used by him. And you know what's amazing? Is those days I don't pray that, he doesn't bring any opportunities in my path. But that's not true, is it? He really does still bring those opportunities in my path, but what happens? My heart is not ready to see it. Right? Be alert. If I want to be alert and have my mind clear and set to the task at hand, I have to be in prayer. I have to let God change my heart so that it's in tune with Him. Why? Because it's time. It's time to do that. Don't put it off. Don't be lazy with your heart and with your, your watchfulness participating with God. Right? And don't be in a frenzy panic that you didn't do it. Just start now. Renew your mind. Renew your heart in him and with him. Revelation 1.3, it goes on. Uh, there's another part of this. It says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear the words and keep it, because the time is near. Again, the time is near, right? It's time. It's time. To what? To read the word and to do what it says. So for you and I, holy and compassionate living comes when we read and meditate on God's word and when we commune with God through prayer and get the heart change that we need. It sets it up for a win. It sets it up for God to have a win in our lives. It sets us, us up for the blessing of participating along with what God is doing. So doing this will get us ready for the next point. Number two, what does compassion look like? Well, that we would maintain hospitable love. That we would maintain hospitable love to one another. It's hard to do if we don't have the right perspective. It's hard to do if our, heart, our attitude of our heart is not there. That we would be hospitable in love. Look at 1 Peter, again, verses 8 through 9 on, on chapter 4. It says, above all, right? Well, above all, we just got done saying, like, pray, pray, pray. Set your mind clear. Above all, yeah, above all. This is, this is the focus. This is what God wants us doing and practicing. Above all, maintain constant love for one another. Since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another. Look, get the next part. We can't just stop there. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Without complaining. That's the difficult part, right? That's why it's so important for our, our heart to be in check and for us to get an attitude adjustment with God. Because in order to be hospitable, we, we can pretend and say, okay, I need to be loving. I'm a Christian. Jesus loves me. I should love people. I'll love you. I'll love you. But man, there's some moaning and groaning that goes on sometimes, isn't there? We do that reluctantly at times. And, that, and that's not how God wants us to do that. He, he says, I, I want your heart to be in check. I want your attitude to be right. So when you, when you do love, when you do practice hospitality, you do so without complaining. You do it from the willingness of your heart because you know how Christ has treated you. You know that while you were still a sinner, while he could grumble and moan and groan and complain about you, what did he do? He died for you. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. That he laid down his life and gave it to you instead of moaning and groaning and complaining. 
the attitude of his heart is, well, I will freely give myself so they would have life. And, and you and I need to understand that we are on that, on that same path. We can't give life. Only Jesus can give life. But we can show the giver of life to people. And we have that opportunity and that privilege, and I would say that responsibility as Christ followers to do that. So we have to prepare our hearts and get our attitude in check and get it right so that when we do that, when we do love someone, it's not with complaining. It's not begrudgingly. It's, it's a way I can lay my life down and love someone because Christ first loved me. See, loving people and being hospitable requires us to be constantly stretching our spiritual mother's, mother's muscles. Right? Stretching those muscles out. you got to stretch. And then we love despite injury or insult or persecution from other people. We still love. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all offenses. Love covers all offenses. It's amazing to see as, as we are kind to people, as we love people, as we draw them in to see how Christ has changed us, as, as we give them that love. Now listen, it, it doesn't mean sin's not sin. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, oh, I, I'm just going to approve of all sin. What I'm saying is I'm going to accept people as image bearers of God, and I'm going to love them where they are, showing the kindness of God, so that as Romans 2.4 says, we know that God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. See, sinful people already know they're sinful. They're, they already stand, the Scripture says, condemned under their sin. So as, as you and I come into their lives and as we invite them to come and see, we're not inviting them to come and see a, a community that just anyone can, can live in and, and do whatever they want. We're inviting them to come and see how we were once wretched and full of ourselves and how we emptied ourselves humbly before God, turning away from the stuff we did so that we could be filled with everything Christ offers in His righteousness. And we let them see the transformation that has happened inside of us. At the same time, we love them. We love them and show kindness. We give them grace. Accepting, but not approving. And as we accept, as we love, as we show kindness, our desire and our hope is that that kindness would be the kindness of God that would lead them to repentance. You see, God is just, right? We can say God is angry or God is just. God is, God is a wrath against sin. What Scripture also says is that God was pleased to take that wrath and to put it on Jesus. He was pleased to crush Jesus with it so that you and I could be free. See, the kindness of God says from God's heart, I so want you to be forgiven. I so want you to be whole. I so want you to be filled with what I have to offer that you can never achieve on your own. That's God's kindness. I love you, and this is what I did to Jesus. That's how much I love you. But that's also how much I hate sin. And that we would come to him empty and say, I, I just want what you have to offer. What only you can give, what only you can bring me. And see, God's kindness through people, compassion through God's people, lead people, others, to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to understand something as well. As we talk about this hospitality, hospitality is, is literally tr translated or means loving strangers. 
that we would love strangers. You think about the, this parable of the Good Samaritan, or the story of the Good Samaritan, right? That, that, that he didn't pass by. He, he, a couple other people did, but he didn't pass by. He came to the aid of somebody, not begrudgingly because he wanted to love somebody. And he, and, and he didn't just love and just clothe him and give him, give him a dollar. He, what did he do? He, he took him in and treated him and then put him up to make sure he was cared for. And what I want you to understand is that that's what being a neighbor is like. That's what, that's what loving someone in compassion and being hospitable is like. And if you and I are inviting people to come and see, we are inviting them to come and see Jesus so they might know Jesus and believe. Amen? And if they come and see Jesus, and if they come to, come to know Jesus as Savior, what happens when we come to know Jesus as Savior is we deny ourselves everything, right? We die to ourselves. And when we die to ourselves, we lose everything that we were holding on to. Now, for some of you, you know this way more than others, that when you came to faith in Christ, you lost everything. You lost a spouse, maybe. You might have lost a family member or multiple family members. You may have lost a community or a people group because they're doing something far different and they don't want to be a part of what you're doing and you really shouldn't be a part of what they're doing. Maybe you actually lost a home. We lose things, right? The gospel divides people. So for you and I, if we're inviting folks to come and see and to come and die and to come and lose everything, we have to then be a family of God that says you can be part of our family now. We are going to treat you as though you are ours. That book I'm reading, The, the Gospel Comes with a House Key, a uh, really great, great book, and I, I encourage you to check it out. One of the things that this gal says is if we're, we're asking people to come and lose everything, we have to be willing to give them a house key. And say, you know what, I'm not going to leave you hanging. Jesus is so awesome, he's so important, I know it's going to cost a lot, I'm not going to leave you hanging. If you need a place to crash, you can come crash here. You can, you can be part of our community. We are your new family now. And that's what's beautiful about the body of Christ, about the family of God. And I know that stretches us, that stretches our muscles, doesn't it? I've seen it before, I've done it before. I've seen new people kind of come and they kind of stay on the outside and they're kind of the outsider and we have our little community and they're over here. We have to include, and I, I love some of you, some of you go to lunch after the service or and, and the early service, they go to breakfast after that service, and um, I, I love the fact that you, you see someone new, and you engage with them, and you invite them to lunch. Hey, you can be a part. You can be, you can be with us. We want you to know Jesus, and if you know Jesus, you're, you are us, and that's hospitality, and that's compassion, and that's love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. <clears throat> now, it's hard, right? All that stuff's really hard. It's hard to do. Well, that leads us to number four because this is, this is really important. If we want to be compassionate, and what does compassion look like? We want to grow in that. We have to rely on the power of God. We have to rely on the power of God. You and I are weak and cannot do this on our own. We can fake it for a little while. We can be nice for a little while. We can be tidy for a little while. We can invite people over and have a couch to sit on for a little while. But man, it gets tiring sometimes. It becomes a burden at times. It's in the way. It's, it's kind of not a, not a convenience at times. And, and when we start thinking things aren't a convenience, we have to lean in and rely on the power of God. Because when we're weak, that's when we're strong. I, I told the early service, I've had, a, I've had a really emotional week. I know a lot of us have. It's been an emotional week and actually an emotional month. But uh, and kind of a crazy season in our church, right? Uh, a wonderful day yesterday with uh, the memorial service for Todd here at the church. It was a worship service, a tribute to Jesus. And, and I just, I, you know, it's one of those things that I feel emotionally drained, right? Emo- and, and that's okay. I have a father that's big enough to take care of that emotional drain, right? And I had some good encouragement from, from a friend who said, share from your heart. 
But it was hard coming to, coming to terms with what to share and how to share and the responsibility to share. And even today, man, I, I was exhausted yesterday, right? And, and I'm exhausted today. And I have to understand and remember, this isn't about how strong I am. It's about how strong God is. Right? I, I want to go lay down right now and take a nap. I, I want to just go do that. I don't feel adequate to even share or even know. I mean, you look at my sermon, it's very few distinct you know, lines and verbiage on here. What I'm trying to say, right? It's not here. It's, it's, God's, it's God's strength. God does that. We have to allow God to be strong when we are weak. Verse 11 says, If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks with God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides. So you and I make the decision. I'm going to speak, I'm going to serve, and I'm going to let it be God and not me. I'll let it be God because I can't sustain myself. I can't do it on my own. Passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, kind of a life passage for me for this. Uh, Starting in verse 9, it says, But he said to me, that's Jesus says this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Isn't that great? Isn't it great to know that God's power is perfected when we are weak? He says, Therefore, I I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And listen, the, the whole time that we're showing hospitality, the whole time we're loving people with compassion and grace, it was never about us, was it? It was always about Jesus. It was always about God. And that's point number five. This all should be done and compassion should all be done that God may be glorified. That God would be glorified. If you were at the men's breakfast uh, yesterday morning, we talked about uh, a mirror. Like that. John Piper said that we're, we're like a mirror and we should be living our lives slanted like this 45 degree angle that, that whenever we go around, people see us, it's reflecting the Father that they see Jesus, that they see the glory of God in our lives and through what we're doing, that we should never do this and like, oh, we're reflecting ourselves. That's not what we want. And we should never turn around and, and deflect, right, away, that we should be reflecting the glory of God. And, and that's what we do. We, we don't want people to be drawn to us. I'm okay if people think I'm a nice guy, but ultimately I'm, I want people to know I'm a nice guy because Christ first loved me, that he's the nicest guy, right? Or as John Piper said, he's awesomer, or the, that's what he said, right? Awesomer. He used that word. Yeah, people can be awesome. He's awesomer. Write that in your notes. It's good. That God would be, would be glorified. Verse 11, uh, part B of that, that verse. Uh, it says, right? So we, 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 we go forward with the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. God needs to get the glory. We want God to get the glory. You know, I talk about this word glorification, and I want you to, to, to bear with me and understand this for a minute. Um, I've used this before as an illustration. A, uh, what's it called again, the magnifying thing? A microscope, thank you. I used these in science when I was 12, I don't know. A microscope, okay? I call, I, what do I call it? A, a magnifying glass. <laughs> that's, that's something different. Okay, so you take a pair, oh, shoot, what's it called? A microscope, thank you. (laughs) 
a microscope. I'm going to hold on to this analogy. And you put it, you, you have the microscope there, and you get the slide, right? And you put the little goo on there, and you put the, little, the next one on top, the glass. And you, and you put it under the microscope. What's it doing? Magnifying, right? It's, it's magn- but it's, it's doing more than that. It's like zooming in, right? You're putting this really close to the objective lens, and you're looking through it. And, and you might have an amoeba on there, but you, you zoom into that thing, and you can see the little hairs on the little side of it. Right? Whoa, what is going on? You can see like how it works inside, and you can, you can start to move it around to see all of its little features inside of it. Right? And what it does is it, is it blows stuff up so far that you can see the little details on the inside of it. That's not what we're doing with God. The way we glorify God is like a telescope. We, we look in space and, and see the stars, and we, and we see a star, and we go, oh, that's a cool star. But when you put a telescope on it and, and mag, really magnify it, what are you doing? Are you zooming in to see little intricacies? No. You're blowing it up so you can actually see it for what it is. It's a planet with little moons around it. Or, or it's, a, it's a nebula with all kinds of gaseous anomaly inside it and all kinds of other stars inside of it. And you're like, wow, look at the grandeur of what was really there. I couldn't see it unless it was magnified for me. And that's what we're doing with God. If, if we're to be image bearers of God and we're to image and reflect God, we're to show Him for who He really is. And that means you and I have to be weak. And you and I will love because He first loved us. And see, it comes full circle and goes back to, if you want to go back there, to Psalm 103. It comes full circle that people would see the majesty and grandeur of God. We show compassion as, an, as, as we follow the example of our Heavenly Father who shows compassion on us. But here's the Heavenly Father. The Lord, ex, ex, He executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. That's Him, not me. That's not you. That's Him. He revealed His ways to Moses, His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and rich in faithful love. Oh, how I want people to see that. How I want them to know that God. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. Oh, how I want people to know that. Or repaid us according to our offenses. And here's that telescope view from our life, from our compassion, from our love for others. Here's that telescope view. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His faithful love for, toward those who fear Him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. You talk about zooming in to God. That's it right there, isn't it? That's magnifying. That's glorifying. That's showing people this is what you should treasure. This is what is offered to you. Infinite, faithful love from an infinite God that's far stronger than you or I. Far more compassionate than we could ever imagine. But we will take that compassion that He has given us and we will will show that to the world around us so that they will see Him. That they would come and see Him. And that they might be saved. Amen? All right, let's stand and pray together. Father, we, we are constantly able to look to your word and be in awe of who you are. And I, I thank you for that. I thank you that we, we are able to see you and to, then to reflect you in the world around us. God, help us to be submissive to you. Help us to, to willingly set our hearts 
towards you in prayer and in the word, that we would be renewed and, and God, let us, let us partner and participate with what you are doing so that people might see Jesus. We're thankful that your, your faithful love is so great. We're thankful that you separate our sins as far as the east is from the west. God, we are a wretched mess of brokenness here that you have come to fix, to wipe clean, and to make whole. And we thank you for that. We know it's not by anything we can do. But God, as we go out and as we love people, may we love in the power of Christ. May we love and show compassion by the grace of Christ. God, may the way we serve one another in love be that means of grace that would draw people to faith in Christ. It's all about you. We love you, Lord. We praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we close,